Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Spotlight, where we explore the highs and lows of student life with your host, Yasmeen Brain, a psychology computer science math student at the University of Toronto. There is nothing better than starting conversations with students about their lives so far, because through stories, we connect. In today's episode, we are joined by a super special guest, and that is Venise. Do you want to say hi? Hey! She's a third-year student who's majoring in statistics and double-minoring in computer science and business. She is passionate about leadership, people management, and underrepresented minority groups empowerment. She runs WISC on campus, and that is a woman in sciences and computing club, and she is passionate about making STEM more accessible for female-identifying students. Outside of school, she enjoys dance fitness. Now, these introductions are sounding more and more like dating blurbs as the episodes pass by, but nonetheless, I think it's an important embodiment of who Venise is. And that being said, today's main theme of the episode is leadership and personal slash professional development as a woman in STEM, which is super important nowadays. So Venise, you can take the floor. Hi, it's so awesome to be here. Thank you, Yasmin, for having me. No problem. Um, and thanks for the awesome introduction. So like you said, I am going into my third year. I'm passionate about leadership, tech, and big ideas. And yeah, for sure, we can talk about my university experience so far. I, I go to UTM and I it wasn't like my first choice of school, but nonetheless, I ended up there. Um, and I have to say my first year was definitely, it wasn't easy. I think going like from high school, I was like a very science-focused student um, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do like I was going to do like either CS or engineering and I was excited but I was also very nervous because I didn't know what to expect math and computer science they don't come naturally to me and I I have had to work harder at it just to like understand it and I knew that going in but first yeah and it's, it's one of those things where you just kind of if you are willing to put in the work like I fully believe that you can do it but it's also like you need to like you need to really believe it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember when I was sitting in 108, like which is our introduction to programming course. Um, it wasn't like that wasn't my first time ever seeing code. I dabbled in it a little bit in high school, um, mm-hmm. but it started off pretty okay. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. This is great. Uh, and then as things picked up, I was getting more and more confused and I was getting intimidated when I was like sitting in the classroom and people were like oh we're going so slow like I already know how to do this why are we still on this oh that's like such a dumb question and just like hearing that just made me feel like I was drastically behind the rest of my classmates Mm. which I know it wasn't true but it's like one of those things that you start to internalize and you're like oh maybe this isn't for me and I started to get very very demotivated I don't usually like to talk about the fact that like I failed that course, but like I did. <laughs> and I think it's like an important thing to say because mm-hmm. n- people usually don't talk about the fact that they failed at something because it's shameful and it's, it's embarrassing, especially because it's like, oh, that's like first year CS. How, how on earth did you fail that? Yeah, but really they shouldn't though, because through failures, you learn so much and it's just a real human experience. We're not all perfect. And a lot of the fact that people that enter this course have programmed for a very long time before. And this program or the course, sorry, is predicated on no one having coding experience. And coding is pretty difficult. And added with it being U of T, they make things even more difficult. So I think in our school especially, having that openness with failure is something that should be 
you know, like encouraged rather than dismissed. No, I agree yeah. with you. And I think, I think that was one of the things that made it so difficult too first year was that everyone was like, no one ever talked about the fact that we were struggling and you can see mm-hmm. it like people like you're doing all these new courses. It's hard. You're adjusting to a new school, a new environment. There's like the social yeah. aspect and like you feel very alone when no one else is talking about it. So I was like, it wasn't something that I talked about at all. And I remember when I went in at the start of the school year um, in January, I went in to see the academic advisor and they were looking at my grades, obviously, that's that's their job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I had done extraordinarily well in my social science and humanities courses. Mm -hmm. And those are things that have come naturally to me. Like I really enjoy writing. I enjoy debate. I enjoy thinking about things like that. Mm -hmm. But I like the challenge that comes with CS and just that way of thinking, like the puzzle solving mentality that I have to like, I have to put on that hat. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember them saying like, you have a really good track record. You could have a 4.0 GPA if you hadn't taken that CS course that completely tanked it. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's going this bad for you now, maybe you should reconsider doing CS. It might like, I feel like you're just going to keep struggling at it and you're not going to get anywhere. We see students go through this all the time. They're really stubborn about doing CS. Their parents are making them yada, yada, yada. And I was shocked. I was like, this is a professional. Mm. This is their job. They're supposed to tell me what I'm like, where to go, right? They're the ones with all the experience and they're telling me that I can't do this. And I remember when I was there, I didn't say anything then. I was like, I just, I took it. I was like, okay, thanks for your help. And I just left. And I walked out of the academic advisor and there in Kanaf, I started crying. And I was like, how is it possible that wow. like, I thought I was going to do this thing and I was going to be so great at it. And now this professional is telling me that because I failed one course, I should just throw this, throw this dream out the window. And I was lucky in that like I had found like a very supportive group of friends who were, they were all going to, they were going to try it again. And mm-hmm. that, that makes all the difference. Yeah. And it's like, when you have your people, like your tribe, I firmly believe that your tribes, that's your vibe. And just having that group to say like, no, you know what, now we're going to do this to prove that we can do it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so took that course again, did 102. Like it was, we took those courses, we did the work. And yeah, it meant that it felt like a step back that this was not what I envisioned for myself when I came Mm -hmm. into university. But things happen and I think a lot of people go through that too I mean like the amount of I'm doing 102 right now which is a proof scores for our listeners and there is quite a number of people like maybe half the class who have taken this course for the fifth time and it might sound pretty bad on like the surface that you're taking this course for the fifth time but to me it just shows resiliency and people wanting something and not being afraid to try it again and setting aside ego and this image of being super smart or being the best at something you know like having that resiliency to do it again is something that should be commended and at the same time know when maybe it just doesn't work out too much and you just should try something else I think Mm -hmm. it could be smart in both ways but yeah like your experience sounds very similar to a lot of others and mine especially so it's a conversation that I think needs to be had more in our community because it just seems cutthroat right yeah very much very much that's one of the things that I just I hated so much because I always felt like I could never be open about the fact that I was struggling because then people would perceive me as weak and then people wouldn't want to like work with you on projects or like ask you for help on things right because they just assume that you don't know because you're struggling 
And it's Mm -hmm. not that you're not working hard, like you're working hard, you're doing the work, you understand the concepts, right? It's Mm -hmm. just like, there are some missing links that you're trying to figure out. But it's it's harder to do that when everyone thinks that you're dumb because you can't like fill in those little blanks, right? But that's, Mm -hmm. it's part of learning, like you're supposed to ask questions, you're supposed to inquire about things that you don't understand, because that makes you curious to want to learn more. Like the point of university is to learn something completely new that you're interested in, right? And yeah. get that depth of knowledge. But it's hard to do that when people assume like asking questions is associated with just like being dumb or not. That's knowing. so stupid. Like why else would you be in university if you're not there to learn something new and ask questions? Exactly. Like your professors are the coolest people who have done, they have researched this in and out. They still mm-hmm. have questions, right? And like through mm-hmm. having conversation with them, you're able to see these are the types of things that I should be asking. This is the way of thinking. This is how I should approach a problem. And like yep. that's what you want to leave university with. And I think coming into university one one thing that you should I think one thing that all of us will learn or maybe some people won't learn is that you just gotta not care about what others think you know mm-hmm. like just live your own self and do whatever you need to do and if there's setbacks great you don't need to be sharing your setbacks with everyone if it doesn't make you comfortable but at the same time if you find people who can benefit because they're going through something similar then by all means share those experiences because through adversity we learn yeah I think you've learned that really well and by creating this community through WISC and getting all of us together I think that really just it, it makes a sense of community in a community that seems very cutthroat and unforgiving of failures or perfection essentially mm-hmm. yeah I agree it takes me a little bit of time to digest this because it just sounds so familiar so many of us have gone through the same thing and it's kind of foolish to see that no one has really talked about this openly or something like that yeah you know what's interesting though it's like when I talk about it to people they're like oh yeah but they're like I've heard of someone who has gone through something similar or I myself (laughs) have experienced that but I thought I was alone and I was feeling this in isolation so I never Mm -hmm. said anything about it right which is so strange because so if weird. through conversation, you're going to realize that you aren't the only person that's going through this. You come together and like you kind of there's a little bit of solidarity and that the fact we're struggling. Yes, mm-hmm. but we're also going to kick butt at it because that's what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. There is power in community and finding your people and in being open and honest about your story, because I think that that's when you find people that you align with and then those mm-hmm. people become your tribe. And you cheer each other on and you support each other through the good and the bad. And how does this, how do you think WISC and your current initiatives fits into that? Because I, I feel like this may have sparked that connection or maybe something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can talk about that for sure. WISC, for anyone who may not know, stands for Women in Science and Computing. It is a student group that I launched on campus last year, so August of 2019. And it was birthed from my first year experience, feeling very alone. I remember when I was standing outside of 108 and I was just, seeing like a sea of guys and I was like I feel so alone and I remember I met one of my very good friends in that course and it's just like that power of community was something that I wanted to see unfold at a larger scale at UTM because a lot of schools have groups like this like women in science and engineering or women in technology and 
we didn't have that, which I thought was the strangest thing because the St. George campus has it, the Scarborough campus has it, why don't we? And it was weird because like you would actively be looking for people who could share your experiences, but there was no way to find those people without putting in that effort to have that conversation and go looking for it. Um, And so all throughout my first year, I was, I was looking for something like that. And then when I didn't find it, I decided that I would make it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Honestly, I had, I have had experience running organizations in high school, but it was very different at the university level. There is so much more red tape that you have to get through Mm -hmm. and the scale of it is so much larger. Um, But I was like, you know what, let's do this thing. I didn't expect it to grow that the way that it did or as quickly as it did. But it's one of those things where you put the effort in and you will see the results. And it may be the case that it's just one or two people's lives that you've impacted, but those Mm -hmm. people are better for it because of it, right? Mm -hmm. So WISC started in August. We were very small when we started. There was four of us in the core group, and then we started recruiting for our exec, and then we grew over time. We started around 50 general members. Now we're like over 300, which is insane. Like that growth is wow. Um, And it was a journey. I'm not going to say it was all easy because it definitely wasn't. My grades slipped because of it. My priorities were sometimes not as balanced as I would have liked them to be. Mm -hmm. But I've also learned a lot about what it takes to unite a group of people behind a vision so that we're delivering quality programming for our students. How do we find the gaps in what people are looking for versus what they're like actually seeing on campus? How to have those conversations about allyship and sponsorship and mentorship with people who may have not had those conversations before. So I'm learning a lot about people in general, and it has helped me so much in figuring out what I want to do as a career in that, like, I now know that people management is something that I enjoy. I love leading conversations. I like having those brainstorming sessions. I like being that person that like says, I will help you grow in this way and support you in that. Right. And, and I try to emulate like leadership style when I'm working with my team. And that's when I realized running teams is what I want to do. And this lights me up. This excites me. I'm a people person. I get my Mm -hmm. energy off of conversation with people, but it's, it's helped clarify that for me. And I think that's been where I found like a lot of value in this experience. And these lessons are priceless. There's no course that can, or maybe like management and business, 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 <laughs> but the skills that you've learned are very entrepreneurial. And I know that they say, if you want to start something and just figure things out on your own and what you like, just go for it and try things. And usually school doesn't really help in that aspect like it's very technical in its delivery if you want to learn about said topic then take this course but for something that's so human in nature people management and figuring out how to help people that's very much an intuitive thing that some people have and some people don't and I'm very happy to hear that it's very natural for you because it's not natural for quite a number of people and in the CS community people are like oh we don't it seems very technical like people don't sort of mesh into the social science aspect of our being, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100%. I feel you on that. <laughs> I think it's, it's one of those things I remember coming into first year, everyone wanted to be a developer, like yeah. going to be a developer at, in Silicon Valley was the dream. And if you didn't want that, Cali like, or bus. Yeah. It, and if you didn't want it, it was like, why are you in Seattle? That's what we do here. Mm-hmm. And 
I remember I was trying so hard to fit myself into that mold and I felt so less than because I was like how come I don't want it as bad as they want it like how Mm -hmm. my dreams are not aligning is am I not meant for this program if that's the only thing that I can do with this degree and I think that's another reason why I push so hard for people to get involved with student organizations or even just external things beyond their coursework because it shows you that there is more beyond the textbook and there are options out there. Like product management is something I'm really interested in. I didn't even know that was a thing until what I- What is came. that? Is that like <laughs> making products? Uh, so basically like a product manager is the person that like sits at the intersection of UI, UX, user interface mm-hmm. and user experience design, um, business and the tech. And in the tech world, you would be the person that is responsible for overseeing that product. Mm-hmm. Um, And you are the one that's like, okay, like you're going to talk to the engineers and the designers and the business people to figure out how we can best analyze and like push this product out into market, looking at things like um, how do we measure how successful this product is going to be or like where is it lacking? And so you're basically responsible for that product. That sounds so fun. I didn't really know about that intersection, to be honest. And the thing is like, they don't talk about it in school. And it's just, it's so weird. The only reason I really like that stuck out to me was because I remember in the beginning of second year, the Math and Computer Science Society held like an intern panel from like PY Mm -hmm. students that were coming back. And someone there said they were a product manager. And I was like, hold up, this sounds like, (laughs) yeah, like this is exactly what I want to do. Why am I just discovering this? Um, And it was like one of those light bulb moments. And that person has become like one of my closest friends now and a mentor and someone who supported me in that. And I would never have known had I not gone to that event and engaged with the community and stepped outside of my comfort zone. And so that's why like, I think it's so important to think about the fact that yes, CS is like a way of thinking Right. And this is how like my dad always like he would always come back and tell me, like, this is how you frame your mind to think logically. You are learning how to solve problems. You can then take this mindset and apply it to literally anything else you want to do. You want to go to law school? Go for it. The world's your oyster. It's just a thinking frame. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I've been trying hard to just get myself to firmly believe in that. And it hasn't been easy at times when everyone else is like software dev, software dev, software dev all the time. It's just weird. Yeah. Like you need to. You need to do what you are good at and what you love. And if it's not software development, that does not make you a bad computer science student. Like straight up, it doesn't. And I think we need to do a better job of being open about that. And like our school needs to do a better job of showcasing the variety of opportunities and the things that you can do because of your degree, the things that you've learned. And it's so crazy to see how just one event changed your outlook and gave you like that boost of, or that realization that, oh my God, there's more to it being than being a software developer. There's so much out there. And I think that just motivates me and Aisha because we're on your director of events for the computing team on WISC. And we, like our events, a lot of them are just getting people who have experience, especially female identifying um, figures, just talking about their experiences in roles that we don't typically, or just roles that are un, that are missing in computer science, like project managers, QAs, not your typical software developer. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool and insightful to hear that something as small as just one event that was probably like an hour just changed mm-hmm. everything. That's crazy. I know, right? And it's like, I can't imagine it being any other way like I'm so happy with like the things that I've chosen to like invest my time in and and it's paid off 
And I think that it's something that everyone should be exploring. Like see where your degree can take you because it's there's not just one path. And I think it just becomes a little bit harder when you're a minority in the group because there's just a lot of other slew of things that you have to deal with. Like you said before, when you go into CS, at least this was the experience that I found with a lot of other women as well in our school. It just, I mean, I told you this privately, but I said in the beginning that I didn't really care that there wasn't that many females in Mm -hmm. computer science and math and those sorts of subjects. But then later, it just, I don't know, I can't help but notice it. And it's kind of discouraging sometimes. So I think that was brought clear to me through your like conversations with you about female empowerment and these kinds of things and how we need to be making a better effort and the university needs to be making a better effort to help kind of equalize the amount of females to male ratio in this subject, don't you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And I think it's it's in first year where like you see like the greatest drop off and maybe it's because like the way that our school program is structured and that like you mm-hmm. need to get certain grades and and be at a certain level to get into the program which is like another discussion but I definitely feel like even when I started I was like I never thought that it was going to be challenging even looking at the post requirements I was like okay like I can do this it's it's not that bad right Mm -hmm. but it slowly starts to like chip away at you when you look up and like you realize even from the upper year student body there's not that many females and you don't see yourself reflected in those in those TA positions right Mm -hmm. or like in the faculty and it's just it's hard because it just kind of wears you down a little bit in the fact that like I also feel like I have to work so much harder to prove that I belong there Mm -hmm. versus someone else right I have had so many instances where people have doubted me when we're working on problem sets or in tutorials they'll like question me so much more and it's like I am at the same level as you. I work like I work just as much as you do. And I know this concept. Like, why are you drilling me as if I am incompetent? Because I know I'm right. Right. Like I've done the work and it's infuriating because it's like, I don't see you drilling the guys as much as you're drilling me. Right. And especially when it's coming from your peers, these are the people that we're going to work with in industry. And so it's equally important that at the industry level, we see that level of diversity because we don't want to lose women who are in the in these roles because they just feel like they're constantly being undermined they're not being taken seriously there's microaggressions there's so many things and it's not even related to the the actual ability of that person to do the job it's just other stupid things that people think you're you're incapable of doing something because of your gender and and another thing is too like and i've had conversations with other female interns about this as well they've been like oh i feel worried about dressing up too much at work because i don't want people to think that i'm not as intelligent right but i have read so many so much work on this and people have been like when i'm going to a career smile but don't smile too much wear a little bit lipstick but don't make it too dark what? like because people perceive you differently right and it's it's those unconscious biases that people have and It's like, you know, when they say when you submit a resume, if it says Kate versus Kevin on it, subconsciously, Mm. people would gravitate towards the Kevin, even though they have the exact same qualifications. Like there's Mm -hmm. so much research done on that. And actually, my current manager, she worked at Catalyst, which is a research you do a lot of research on women's careers and I highly recommend um, mm-hmm. whoever's listening, like look them up because they've done some incredible research on why 
are women and men at different stages in their career? Like what, what are the things that are holding them back? What can we do as women to like proactively fight against those things to like set ourselves up for success better? I feel you when you say that it wears you down like bit by bit. And I think, and when you get into the upper years, your classes are going to get smaller and there'll be less and less girls and it just becomes more discouraging. But at the same time, you think back to when you were in first year and you look to fill those gaps. It's like, what would have made me stay or what would have made this process easier for me? And then you look to fill in those gaps and be that mentor for incoming first year students. And that's kind of the mentality that I like to approach WISP with is like, what was missing for us, right? What would have made our experience more smooth? And then those problem gaps, we fix those by providing certain programming or being like having different things happening so that we can better support the incoming first years and make sure that we are retaining those numbers. And so those are like things that you can do as a woman to support other women and to make sure you're standing up for each other. And there's this one quote that I love. It's like, when you have a seat at the table, you bring another woman with you and you you bring a seat for them too and you make that oh I love that and and it's one of those things where it's like there shouldn't be competition between women which is another thing that has come up so much in conversation if there's that one spot it just seems like there's only there can only be one really one girl in that space right that's not true but if that's how we've been conditioned to believe right that we have to compete Mm -hmm. with each other but the power is when we lift each other up and we create those opportunities and that's why I think that communities like WISC are so important because it reminds us that you have a squad here to back you up now, right? Mm -hmm. These are people that will help you get through this so that we make it and we graduate and we go out and we break those glass ceilings and we change the perception of women in computing. And so that's like, I I always come back to that idea of community being so, so important. You have Mm -hmm. to go and find your tribe. But when you do, it's life altering. I think you saying that just made me realize how flawed some of my thinking was before because I used to think that you know what, I'm in this and it seems a bit difficult for people of my demographics. So I'm just going to stick it out and go by myself and tread these lands alone. But I'd now I realize, even with Whisk, it, I haven't been in the club that long. It's only been a couple of months, but I just, it's so empowering to see a community working together towards a common goal that is just, it takes me time to digest the benefit of a community, if that makes sense. Like, it sounds stupid now that I'm saying it out loud, but it's, it means more and it does more than you think it would, than you just doing stuff alone. Like you, what's that saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with the squad Mm -hmm. or something like that. I think that's what I'm learning now with this. Just yeah, experience. and you know what? I don't think it's stupid at all. Honestly, it's one of those things where you learn it through experience, right? Some people naturally gravitate towards having communities. For some people, it might take a while. And I get that whole idea. I feel like I could do this quicker if it was just me. But then it's, am I enjoying it as much? Am I getting as much value out of it? Am I helping other mm-hmm. people? Am I creating impact, right? And if those things are important to you, then... And like they are to you, right? And I can see that in the quality of the work that you're doing and the way that you contribute to the community. Once you find that and like you realize that, you become more powerful. And it's just the work that you do becomes so much better because you just love it so much more. I love going to school and seeing my girl gang and sitting with them in classes and working on problem sets together. And when we're working on assignments, when that light bulb goes off, it feels so good because 
we did that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a magical experience. <laughs> like that's all I can say. We're not just really focusing on female, female, yeah. female to female. There's a lot of guys oh, out yeah. there male identifying students who feel the same way and help support you in different ways so it's just an open discussion and a point of about awareness and just the way that you handle yourself in these situations because we've I feel like I can talk about my experience but there's certain situations where if you are not a female and you are not and you are in the CS community you just wouldn't experience mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I'll just say an example I was in um 148 which is a programming course is lab and i was just working minding my own business and then this guy comes up out of nowhere just stands on top of my computer and he's like hey orange and i'm like what does that mean uh because i was wearing an orange sweater and he's like i'd like to eat you and i'm like excuse me (laughs) like what uh okay I was like, um, yeah, please just go. I'm working on my assignment. But things like that, you just don't experience if you were a yeah. guy. And it's just yeah. not professional. Like, why are you saying this? What yeah. And what what benefit does that come besides being, I don't know, like a jerk and asserting your hierarchical dominance of whatever? I, I don't know. what Like, what is that? Yeah, what is that? I, I feel you on that. There have been like so many instances where I'm like, if I was a guy, like you wouldn't have said that to me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, or sometimes you get like looks when you raise your hand, or like people talk over you when you're giving an idea, and like just little things like that. But coming back to your point about allyship, having that conversation with your male friends who may not see it right because that's not like that's not something that they've gone through that those same experiences right like that is really important and I have my male friends are incredibly supportive of me and the things that I do and they are willing Mm -hmm. to listen right and step in sometimes when it to stand up for their female friends or like when they see something that's wrong they point it out or when they're in their group of friends and someone makes a comment they would stop and be like hey like you can't actually say stuff like that right? Mm -hmm. And so 100% allyship is so important having this conversation beyond just a female to female conversation, like it has to be an everyone conversation, because it's only through everyone understanding the problem that we're going to be able to come up with a solution Mm -hmm. and make it so that industry and academia and students in school, like all have the same great experience when they are in the tech world and it's not different for people depending on like what you look like or where you're from i just don't know why like or what neuronal connection makes someone think something like that is okay you know this yeah i mean i'm gonna drop the topic but it's just something (laughs) that threw me off guard because if this small experience happened in a small setting in a university how do you think that translates into the workplace and people's stories of how they face things that are just you shouldn't be facing Mm because you're a qualified person and you're in a position where you are just doing your work Mm. lots to lots to change to be made (laughs) i can't stop thinking about that (laughs) so how do you think these things kind of fit into what you want to do with your future career and your life and the pey that you have coming up you can explain what pey means for listeners because i don't think a lot of people listen to this are from uft 
Yeah, of course. So PEY stands for Professional Experience Year, and it is an opportunity for U of T students to take 12 to 16 months to pursue an internship. So they would not be doing classes, they would be working full time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's for engineering students and math, computer science, statistics students. And a lot of people take it after their third year and use that time to go get that real life experience and see what industry is like. For myself, I know that I I have wide variety of interests and I'm I'm slowly like as I kind of do some more work and look at like the opportunities out there I'm trying to narrow down what sorts of experiences I'm looking for. I definitely know that like I want to work in a leadership space. Product management has appealed to me for that reason. I like being able to think about multiple different things and from different perspectives and not just coding for for a 9 to 5. And so I haven't decided what role I'm 100% going to pursue like tech consulting looks interesting venture capital mm-hmm. looks interesting product looks interesting like there's so much out there that I just want to get wow. a taste of and so coming back to your question about how has my experience shaped my future career it has been pretty impactful in the fact that I have learned so much not just about how to work with other people but also about myself and I know it sounds mm-hmm. very cliche to say things like that but just understanding yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you better understand the types of things that light you up. And it gives you mm-hmm. more focus because I feel like coming into university, like you, the world is your oyster. But like, at some point, you start to pick and choose the things that you like more and the things that you want to focus your energy on, because there's a thousand and one things out there for you to learn. But you can't do everything, right? And so like, mm-hmm. pick a couple things that you really enjoy and get really good at those things. And so for me, being in a leadership position has taught me so much about understanding how people work. How do I unite a team behind a common vision? How do I create a space for a diversity of thought? Um, and I'm, I'm really making an active effort to put to use the skills that I know that I'm going to need in my future career. So for example, when it comes to product management, when you're creating a product, you're looking at things like success metrics of your product, right? And through WISC, what I do is like we have a session with the entire team where we sit down and we look at what are quantitative and qualitative ways that we are going to measure how impactful our work is. What are the mm-hmm. metrics we're going to set? What are the questions we're going to ask? Where are we collecting data? How are we going to analyze this data and then use it to back our decisions and the, the programming that we put forward? And I think that through that, I have better understood how to apply that mindset and it's it better positioned me for the types of careers that I'm going for. And it also means that when I'm like pitching myself to employers, I'm able to say, I may not have had product management experience, but I can do all the things a product manager can do. Just That's in my situation. Yeah. And so I think framing it in that way has made me so much more confident when I'm speaking about myself in interviews, because I know I can do it. Right. And, and when I talk about it, people and people know when you're in your element. They exactly. they can recognize that from a mile away. And they can recognize BS right away as well. Exactly. And so it's just you find your thing and you get good at it. And I think especially, and I'm going to come to this, um, this idea of mentorship, because I think mm-hmm. it's very, very important. I have been lucky in that I have had some incredible mentors who some of them are in STEM, some of them are not. And it's they have been people that have, forced me to ask questions of the things that I'm learning, the things that I want to do, mapping my career. And Mm -hmm. it's just helped me so much in understanding how to critically think about my life and 
like, am I really doing the things that make me happy? And so what I say to a lot of students is to find a mentor. And there's different ways to do it. Um, I personally, like, I've gone through mentorship programs that pair you with people. And I've just had some really good connections made. But there are like a couple things that I'm going to throw out there about mentorship right now, because I think there's some things that people miss um, when they are looking for mentors and when they're creating that relationship. So like the first thing is that it should be a relationship. The person on the other end that you're talking to is another person. They have interests. They have things that they're good at and not good at and, and stories to share. And I think when you treat it as a relationship, you get a lot more value out of it. But you also offer value. Mm-hmm. And I think as a student, I was always wondering, like, where am I adding value to this person's life? Because they're successful in the career. They have everything going for them. Like, I'm just a student. I can do a couple things, but I've always like devalued myself, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the way that you should be approaching it because your unique perspective is something of value, right? And you bring that to the table in the questions that you ask. And so when I sit down with people for coffee chats and the way that I prepare for it is like, I thoroughly read up on this person. If they've published papers, I read their papers. I pick out key phrases that stuck out to me. I ask the questions of them that I was having while I was reading their work. Um, I have like sat down with a mentor and she had given a couple talks. So I went and I watched her talks and before the meeting, then when I went into the meeting, I was like, Hey, like, can we talk about some of the things you said? Because this stood out to me as something that I am, I'm interested in learning more about. And when she's probably fangirling at that moment, she's like, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But it's people like, people see that you're putting in the work, right? Yeah. And and that you're actually interested and don't do it if it's like, you don't actually care, right? Like you go and you look for those people that you see that might align with you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you ask them the questions that you genuinely want to know. And and there's so much value in just when you go in prepared, it's like you actually care about the conversation and there is something that you want to get out of it, right? And through that, you create that value exchange between the other person that you're speaking to. And they say, if you fail to prepare, then you prepare to fail. Exactly. Like everyone is busy. You don't want to waste anyone's time and you should go in with a goal. Right. And that's the way that you're going to get the most out of it. And so that's my first thing, like go in with thoughtful, prepared questions about their background. Make sure you know what they do, why they're doing it, things about their personality that maybe like that you've picked up on or interests that you may share and then have questions ready. My second thing is following up is like the one thing that people don't do. Um, And it's just so bad because you should always let a person know when you've appreciated their time, right? And Mm -hmm. tell them something valuable that you got out of it. And then three months later, you should follow up with them again, right? So what I do actually is like, I keep track of all the people that I've talked to. And then I, yeah. And then I- Isn't that kind of tiring though? Like, wouldn't they be annoyed that you're kind of spamming them? No, so it's not like it's not like a weekly life update, right? And it's not like today I had this for breakfast. Today I took a shower. (laughs) You just you wanna you wanna keep them in the loop of what you're doing. If that is a relationship you're interested in continuing to build, like not all mentorship relationships, not everyone has the time to be your mentor, right? You have to once you start Mm -hmm. building that relationship, you can ask, hey. I would really love to have you as a mentor. Is that something that you are interested in pursuing, right? Like you have to have that conversation with people. But the first step is showing them that you're actually going to do the work and they're not going to be wasting their time by investing in you because that's what it is. It's an investment in you from their part. 
right? But why would they do that? Don't they have other stuff to do? Like they can take that time that that they would have spent reading that email, doing something more directly related to their work experience, or is it more like a legacy thing? So see, that's what I thought too. I was like, these are such busy people, and I am yeah. just a university student. Why would they care? But you mean like I'm telling you when you put in the work to talk to these people and they mm-hmm. see in you the passion, the excitement, the curiosity, they want to work with you. They want to hire you. They want to talk about you to other people, right? Because wow. they see somebody who has the potential to be something amazing, right? But is that enough? Honestly, in my relationships that I've had with people, it's been pretty life-altering for me. Like mm-hmm. I have the conversations that I've had with people have made me better in terms of like the things that I'm looking to get out of it. So like one of my mentors, she's just an incredible leader all around. And I go to her when I meet with her and I like take my questions and the issues that I've been having with my team management. And I bring that to her and I'm like, Hey, last week we talked about this. I've applied some of the things that you told me, this is how it worked out. Here are some new issues that I'm, I'm handling. How would you go about tackling these? And it's different mentor to mentor, right? Every relationship is like, you're looking for something different, they can offer you something different, right? So you have to like make sure that you are the the relationship that you're creating, it's like usually you're asking them about certain things and and you're going in with the understanding that like you've done the work and you're going to show them that you did the work and then like they are going to advise you based on that work that you did. And more often than not, like some people are going to say like, I'm sorry, like I don't have time for this, right? And that's okay. Like you brush it off and you move on, right? And some people are going to say, you're amazing. I want to hire you. And you know what? I schedule a call, like um, schedule another call with me in a month and tell me how you're going, how you're doing. Right. Life-changing. And yeah, and that can completely open doors for you. And so I think that mentality of I am wasting someone's time is the wrong mentality to have because you have to remember that you bring value to the table and you, you have your unique strengths. And this is the time to figure out what you're interested in, what you're good at, and start building that personal brand so that people know that you're that person to go to when you want to talk about leadership or people management or whatever. And that's like how I've started to brand myself. I am the girl who's really passionate about women in STEM advocacy. I'm the person that I have that leadership experience and I'm willing to talk about it and help people understand that better. And so I think when when you start to brand yourself and, and fully believe in the fact that you bring something to the table that's when your relationships become more meaningful because then you're not like constantly doubting yourself and you're just openly going after the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And using it to its fullest potential. So like, I, that's the one thing, like I just, it's been transformative for me. And would you advise like for someone before they reach out for a mentor and begin that whole process that they have these two things? The first thing is a niche that they kind of want to specialize in and pursue. And then the second thing would be sort of having that like a project under their belt or something that they're currently working on it's not just someone having an interest in something and then not doing anything about it like would you need to have those two prerequisites in order to effectively reach out to a mentor I don't think so no so what I say is usually when I'm reaching out to somebody I pinpoint so, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm currently interning in a company and I reached out to somebody in the first few weeks because there's something on her profile that stuck out to me. She said that she is a change agent and that she is someone that um, is, 
she's she's really good at uniting like the business, the tech, the design and like uniting people. And I was like, hey, that's exactly what I want to do. And so I saw her profile. I reached out to her. And when I reached out, I said, hey, I saw your profile. I'm really interested in your background in. And then I said business tech and that intersection. Mm-hmm. And I put that in there, like the words from her profile. And I sent her off and then we booked a coffee chat. And when I got in that chat, like she asked me about myself. I talked about myself and then I it was only 30 minutes, right? I asked her two questions Mm -hmm. that I had put together that were things that I was interested in. So I asked her about getting into that product mindset. And then I asked her about uniting teams, the cross-functional teams to create a space for diversity of thought because based on, yeah. So based on the work that I had done about her and the research that I had, like, I know that this is something she's very good at. I had watched her talk. I read her articles and I wanted to hear from this person about how my, I do this in my life. And then obviously like, that starts the conversation on, hey, like, why are you asking this question? What sort of work are you doing that might... So you're picking their brain, essentially. Basically, yeah, but in like a way that sounds like less painful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm not gonna, you don't have to go in having done a project, like even having an informational interview with somebody just to better understand their experience, Mm -hmm. right? I've had um, coffee chats with product managers, where I just asked them about the things that they're working on, challenges they faced, skills that they think that I should be working on. Should I go startup or corporate? Things that I'm interested in from that perspective. But I asked them those questions because I know they're a product manager and they could answer those questions for me, right? So you tailor your questions to the person's experience, but by no means do you have to have like three research papers under your belt or have started a club to be in a position to ask mm-hmm. somebody out for a coffee chat, right? And have that conversation. And not every person is going to end up being a mentor. Not everyone wants to be a mentor. People don't have time to be a mentor, which is totally okay. But it's like, if you found that you clicked with that person, follow up with them. And and mm-hmm. most people will reply by saying, hey, it was great to chat with you. Please keep me updated on what you're up to. Um, and like, I would love to hear from you. And then and it's like, okay, I will remember that in a month from now, I should follow up with this person and tell them like, these are the things that you told me to do. I have actually gone and done them. Here's my feedback on how that went. And then you start building that relationship and that rapport with the person. Okay, now that you say this, I feel like I've ruined something. <laughs> because I, basically, I've had some people reach out to me who are like business people. And I was just confused. Like, why is this person contacting me? So I kind of thought that they wanted something out of me. But I think they just wanted to be a mentor or give some advice or something. Because I regularly ask for tips or something like that and then I think I just kind of shut them out because I thought they were spammers or I thought that they wanted to steal my ideas or something (laughs) okay well Uh you know what I don't blame you because honestly networking online is sometimes like it is sketchy I have gotten sketchy messages from people and I just I choose not to engage with those ones because I don't know like I feel like spidey senses yeah like do what makes you comfortable obviously like yes step out of your comfort zone but that doesn't mean engaging in a conversation with someone who's like making you feel really uncomfortable right Mm -hmm. but that being said like if there is something in their background that stands out to you as something that you could ask about or learn from then for sure pursue it some of the Mm -hmm. conversations I've had with people like these are people that I don't know right personally but they've Mm -hmm. reached out and they've said hey we share similar backgrounds in this. I'm interested in learning about your experience in finance. So like a girl that worked at, she worked at another bank. She reached out to me and was like, hey, I came across your profile. We have similar backgrounds in finance, also interested in product. Would you be open for a chat? And I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Wow. Right? Easy. It's 
it's not easy. It says it's not easy. It's, I mean, like, just reaching out and be like, yo, blah, 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 and then prepare from yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. That part, it's hard to do because obviously you're putting yourself out there, and every time you put yourself out mental there, mental hurdle. It is a mental hurdle, but the more you do it, it is like a muscle. Like, you build it over time and you get better at it. And you know what? It, it forces you to ask good questions and you become a better mm. thinker because of it. I have seen myself the types of questions that I asked when I started my internship versus what I'm asking now are so drastically different. Like I will pick out things that I actually want to know based on specific experiences. And then I take that back. Like you'll see it in our meetings. Like I'm, when I talk, these are things that I've picked up from my mentors who have told me like how to better engage. Yeah. And your work becomes better for it. You become a better person because of it. Right. And, and so you should take those chances. I think especially with so much noise being around having that signal and sticking to it, I think this is a theme that I always talk about in each of my episodes, Mm -hmm. but when you find that signal, it's just like, I don't care about all all of this other stuff. I'm going to focus on this and this alone. And it's just law of attraction. You start seeing things that fit into it and you just think differently, like you said. So that's so insightful to hear. And so what would you say to someone who's kind of on the fence with seeking out mentors or they think that like we said before, they just feel like they're not worthy or they don't bring anything to the table. What would you tell them? Like just as a quick wake me up or motivational speech. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would say that you have to remember that you have value and you have to have the confidence to speak about yourself in a good way. Um, Mm. Always have your elevator pitch ready to go. Know what you stand for. Maybe you're just a a university student. That's totally okay. You know what? Say like you're. This is your major. This is what you're interested in, and then like pick out a few key areas. That so I always say like I'm interested in leadership, innovation, tech, and big ideas because mm-hmm. those are things I'm interested in, right? And it's broad enough that like I could talk to a wide variety of people because I don't have like a preference in terms of the industry I'm talking to yet, right? Like right. I'm I'm still exploring, but I would say start by looking at what are your career goals, where do you want to be five years from now, what are skills that you're looking to develop? And then based on that, you can find people that either have those skills or or are in those fields or the roles that you're looking for. And then just reach out. But be very thoughtful about the way that you're reaching out. Obviously like always ask politely. Definitely be very like, this is what specifically I'm looking to get out of it. Would you be open to a 30 minute chat about whatever? And then you go from there. Sometimes they'll say no, sometimes they'll say yes. If they say yes, great go and book that call if they say no no worries like you find somebody else if they don't respond which also happens that's okay you just go on to the next the next one right and as long as you're intentional about the steps that you're taking and the relationships that you're trying to build eventually you will get something out of it and if it's if it's intimidating to talk to people in industry start by talking to other students like the reason that you have this podcast is because students have unique stories Mm -hmm. and they have things that they want to say and share and so reach out to students first if that's it's it's intimidating to talk to somebody in industry and start picking up those skills on like how to have those conversations that's like one thing I do too is um there's like a community of interns that I'm a part of and they have a slack channel and they use this slack extension called donut and it basically pairs you with random people yeah it's so cool it pairs you with random people every week to talk to right? And you can choose to have that conversation or not have that conversation. And these are other interns, right? Who are students who share the same experiences as you in terms of like where they are in their career, but you can learn so much from them. 
And so starting in that space might help you. I think that's a smart point because mentorship can seem like you need to talk with someone directly from the industry. Obviously, that's a very, very good thing to have. But another student can be a mentor as well who can Mm -hmm. help you in certain things. And your friends can also be your mentors. So it's really just relevant to the context in which you want to grow in. So I think that's something that I haven't heard before that I really... I'm starting to internalize. Maybe I have a lot of mentors now besides yeah. those people. And you know what? It's like when when you are a mentor to other people, you learn how to be a better mentee too. Like that's another wow. thing. Like as I have started to become mentors to other people, I have learned the do's and don'ts of, of mentorship and it helps you better understand. And there is no like certain like age that you have to be to be a mentor for somebody, right? You could be a mentor for someone in high school right now. Um, even like people that are older than you have something to learn from you. So definitely like don't think that age is a barrier or experience is a barrier. Another thing that I, I did over this term is like when I go to so going to events has now become a little bit easier because like they're all virtual. So you have a whole bunch of different events to choose from, like networking events and conferences. And what's cool is some of these events have done this thing where they do like a three minute chat between you and another random person that has just been like generated from this like pool of attendees. And I remember the first time I did this, I was so scared because I was like, oh my God, who is going to be on the other side of this? I wasn't going to do it, but I told my boss that I was going to try it out. And I was like, okay, now I have to actually try it out. I I have someone holding me accountable for it. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, I went in that mingle section. I clicked connect me with someone and, and it was just a random person. We had a three minute conversation. It teaches you how to be concise. It teaches you how to be on the ball with your elevator pitch. And mm-hmm. then that was it. And it was over three minutes and you're done. And if it worked out, great. If it, you follow up with the person and if it didn't, no harm done. You probably will never see each other ever again anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, And that's like the epitome of intelligence to be able to recognize what you need to present to other people and what other people expect of you. Like that's such an intelligent thing to learn and you don't you 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 just can't learn this in a class yeah you know wow um yeah i mean wow (laughs) are you gonna go network with somebody now you see mind blown (laughs) maybe not those sketchy people on linkedin but we'll see how that goes (laughs) this is creepy so i think i think we're starting to reach the end but is there anything that you wanted to kind of emphasize to people who are minorities and feel that discourages them from certain things or people will react to them in an inappropriate manner or that kind of experience Mm -hmm. okay so I'm gonna say what I what people had told me when I was starting out that I didn't believe but I wish I did Mm -hmm. just because you can't see yourself reflected in the place where you're going it doesn't mean that you don't belong there Mm -hmm. Um, that should not hinder you from pursuing your dreams and doing the things that make you happy and like this is one of the things that I have learned and I'm like starting to internalize is you are going to get rejected from opportunities you're gonna things are gonna fail right but you shouldn't be the one to reject yourself I literally have this up on my wall don't self-reject and just remember that there's gonna be tons of people out in the world that are gonna reject you when you start applying for internships I literally keep a file in my email of all the rejections that I've gotten and then I also have my acceptances and the things that I've done well and I just remember like you can do it. You just have to push and push and push. And just because you don't see yourself there in the current status quo, it doesn't mean that there isn't a space for you there. You go and you make that space. You bring yourself to the table. 
and and eventually like that work is going to pay off. And what's the worst that can happen? You know, like even if someone says something extremely rude, you can report them. But also I feel like that inner fire that you get from adversity can really propel you forward. Mm -hmm. When you see people throughout history, people who've really made it big, like Oprah, she's gone through a lot of messed up stuff and a lot of discrimination. And that just gave her that flame to go even further in life. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I mean... uh, I just wish stuff like this didn't exist in this world, to be honest. I know. So. But that's why yeah. you you learn and you grow and you go Talk out about there it. and you make it better. That's true. Is there anything, I think we talked about everything we wanted to talk about. Feel free to talk about anything else that you want to. If you have any last words before we sign off. No, I'm good. Go out there, chase your dreams, people. Do the things that make you happy. <laughs> All right, everyone. I hope you guys like this episode with our very special guest, Venise, who is very well-spoken. And go out on LinkedIn or whatever you want to do and reach out to people. And like just reach out to someone crazy, like maybe Elon Musk or something and see what happens from there you know like i my crazy attempt to reach out to someone was that guy who made bitcoin you know like satoshi Mm -hmm. or whatever i don't even know his fake name but i just reached out to him and he declined my request but it's okay (laughs) at least he saw he saw something you know (laughs) anyways i'm getting off track it is currently 12 p.m this was an early episode most of these episodes are like at 12 a.m or something so thanks venise for helping ground me in that aspect and I'm Yasmin, and I'm with Denise. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.